Welcome everyone to Wellness Spring. Today I'm with my special guest Aya Omitola, who is actually a lovely friend, a divine creator, a conscious mentor and instructor, and the founder of A Tantric Life and Wild Lotus. So everyone has a good story and Aya has been on a remarkable journey in this game called Life, which I know she'll be super excited to share with us. Um, so welcome, Aya, to the show. It's so lovely to have you Thank with you. us today. Thank you so much. I'm really so grateful to be here and to share with you. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. And for the listeners, I actually met Aya, who was then called Roxana, many, many moons ago when she was a young girl and have watched her grow up on and off over the years. And when she was very early 20s, I was blessed to go to one of her ceremonies. She had been teaching um, a sacred journey to women for empowerment. And she invited me to one of her ceremonies for the students, their graduation. I didn't really know what to expect. And um, it was absolutely amazing. She bathed our feet as soon as we arrived and did a lovely little blessing. And um, the rest was mind blowing. So I don't want to say too much, but she included a fabulous ritual. And it was amazing to see all these women in their power. And Aya herself was only a young lady and she's gone on to totally blossom and shine. But before we delve into your story, Aya, could you please tell the listeners a little bit about your um upbringing your family where you grew up um your education so they can get a feel for you yeah um very happy to share and actually we spoke a lot about my story last time we we met and um <clears throat> it's an interesting reflection because there's the outer story of you know a young girl growing up in australia in a white family very uh, affluent and uh, fortunate and having a very what I would call normal upbringing and privileged upbringing and inside of what was a very pretty picture on the outside internally I had a lot of a, a lot of challenge emotionally and and spiritually and the in the inner world that we experience is what I call more um, the invisible side of life or the unseen side of life. The unseen side of life to me is where everything originates or the source. It's where it begins. So as we think in our hearts, so are we. And so what's more interesting to me than the external facts of my past is more the internal experience, the internal facts. And I realized very early in life um, that the seen world isn't what it seems to be. <laughs> and um, very, I, I like to live my law by, uh, my. I like to live my life by divine law. So adhering to the laws. So scripture is laws. And uh, we see the laws in other places. I studied the Kabbalion, the Hermetic philosophies. And what 
essentially brought me to a life awakening early on around 17, 18. I had dived into quite a dark place inside of emotional and spiritual turmoil. And I turned to drugs and drugs were my, um, my self-medicating now looking back on it and also uh, showing me parts of my nature that I was disconnected from through depression and um, conflict and pain. And so the drugs I feel particularly um, strong, heavy drugs, heroin, um, when I came into rehab at 17, the question they asked me is, um, you know, what, what's your, what's your medicine? What's your poison? And I said, well, actually, and it just came out of my mouth. I said, I realized that I'm using heroin to remember my bliss and that I've come here. This rehab I came to was a, a profound rehabilitation center. It's called, um, Oh, it'll come back to me. I've recently had a baby and all the reports about having your baby brain and your, your memory is just wiped. Is It's a true, I can testify. I've, it's been wiped. So some things are just a little slower to come back to my memory, but it was in, um, in Sydney on the Northern beaches. And as you walked in, it was a rehabilitation for all kinds of addiction. So there were people of all ages with all kinds of addictions from um, love addiction, alcohol, depression, lifestyle choices, and as I said, all ages. And so it wasn't just a heavy drug uh, rehabilitation. And because of the um, all-embracing nature of this particular rehab and the small, like very um, personalized care, it allowed me to really blossom into waking up to what was really going on for me. And what was signaling now where I, and I could, every year I would give a different version of my history according to what I had become aware of. And so as of this moment, when I look onto my past, when you ask that question, uh, I realized that I was awakening my true mission in life. And as I said, a divine law, well, the first law that I live by is let the weak man say, I am strong. So my destiny, my calling, let's say what I, what I petitioned for in heaven before coming to earth was to resurrect our power as women. And it's the power of love. It's the power of receptivity. It's the power of feeling and healing and also the power of manifestation that we carry within our wombs. And I was not born into a divine, feminine, empowered family where I was prayed for and I was honored for my true nature. No, that was not the experience I had. I was born into a very loving family, yes, um, but a family that had ideas about what they wanted for my life. And whilst that might seem like, well, what's the big deal with that? On a spiritual level, it's the opposite of who we are because we come here to live our life, not to fulfill someone else's desires. Our life is for ourselves. And coming, firstly, getting that for me was huge. 
And so what I realized when I came into rehab was that all addiction is an expression of codependence, it, our happiness and, um, and survive our happiness and, and, and state of being dependent on something outside of us, be it a person, a place or a thing, a substance. So what I learned is that drugs themselves or people or sex or alcohol or, or substance, whatever that might be outside of us itself is not addictive. It's our relationship to it. And so I woke up to realizing that I had been living co a codependent life of attempting to fulfill other people's desires or what I thought was other people's desires, or perhaps they were, but it only matters is my perception. And that the whole transformation for me was about coming home to who am I? What have I come here for? And what personally fulfills me? And what is my deepest desire? And how do I fulfill that? And there, and, and I came to realize that there were a set of social conditioning or beliefs that were agreed upon by groups of people or collectives or even from my lineage that was about, no, you satisfy others first. No, you live for others first. No, you please your parents. You please the school. You please the society. And all of this power is outside of us. Like the church knows about our spirituality or the banker knows about our finances or you know, it's the doctor that knows about our health. And so everything is externalized in, in what I was born into, the culture I was born into. Everything had been externalized. And so let the weak man say I'm strong. I came here to resurrect knowing myself, knowing my power, um, knowing my truth, listening to my intuition, my voice, and my higher self, my connection to God, and knowing what to do with my finances or which direction to go in with my life. This was what might sound like baby steps, but they were, a, a diff, they were the difference between life and death for me. Because in fulfilling everything outside of me, I forgot my life. What was I? Why did I come here? Why did I come to earth? So let the weak man say I am strong is that when I touch on all of the conditions that I was born into, and I'm going to talk about language in a minute as well, which is a, which we're, the language that we're born into, the belief systems that we're born into, the thoughts and feeling patterns that we're born into. And um, when I consciously participate and engage those patterns with a set of tools those conditions are actually the opposite of who I really am. I totally so, agree. And you've already covered so much stuff. And I just want to say, you know, I started my career as a registered nurse and then a registered psychiatric nurse and specialized in drug and alcohol rehabilitation. And for you at 17 years old, you were still in my eyes, like a young baby, because we haven't had much time to experience life. And for you to have that awakening then, you know, there's still people 40, 50, 60, 90 even, that haven't woken up to who they really are, what is their purpose, what is their mission. 
and you were asking those questions of yourself to yourself at 17 years old you know i think that's remarkable you you as a soul you took on a huge role to find out who you really are you know because michael newton who founded the institute of life between lives he talks about you know the souls and the soul councils and what we put our hands up for you know we all have different exit points you remembered you remembered your divinity your sovereignty at a very young age and mm. i know your parents and like my parents and most parents they do the best for their children, the best mm. that they were taught and what they believe is right from the dogma of society with the things like you're saying, with this teaching from the church and the schools and everything else. And they did mm. their best, their beautiful souls, mm. and they played their roles remarkably in this game of life. And you are like the bright shining star. And, you know, when I, I went to your workshop all those years ago, it, I was blown away with um, how much knowledge and wisdom was pouring out of you you know and it was remarkable and from our previous chat i know you at that stage when you're in rehab you got put on to william white cloud's work who yeah. is a super conscious genius and yeah. that was one of the things that help you and i've done william's work recently like his obviously 17 years on different types of well more than 17 years on um because you're now 45 so <laughs> um he's changed his work remarkably and doing online stuff and he is a super conscious genius and like you he had a heroin addiction and i know yeah. you you worked with the infamous tantric master for many years um shantam nityama so do yeah. you want to tell us how that came about and your experiences and skills that you gained with him yes yes well i'll start with william because that's where it yeah. all started so as i Great. came through rehab um there's a you do like a an initial detox five weeks process just to come clean and get some initial founding in yourself and then typically what would happen is a person would go on to do one or two years in what's called a halfway house where it's a very therapeutic environment and there's a lot of counseling and um, groups and so on provided to support a person in integrating back into society it's like a chrysalis you know how to to, to really support you in your complete and total transformation um, but what came up for me was that due to my age none of the halfway houses would accept me that I was considered a 90% failure rate statistic and there was therefore no funding or acceptance into any public or private halfway homes that I just was in a um, statistic. And so I was sent back home and uh, I do believe we do choose our parents and I chose very well. <laughs> mm. And I also chose perfectly for what I came here to resurrect and the the collective nature, the um, the grand nature of you, as you've identified, of my calling was um, not only to raise myself, but actually to 
be a inspiration in my world and to be a sister and a mentor and a friend to many other women also choosing to fully come home and awaken. And so that's essentially what my workshops and courses have become as, as a community, a, a global weaving of the connection that we all have. I call it the, the sister web of life that's surrounding the world. And it's this invisible connection that we have all in our wombs. And coming to the the, the work that I came to share was um, chatting to one of the nurses one evening. I'll always remember this chat about what would my options be if none of the halfway houses would accept me? How would I sustain? I had such an amazing um awakening already in my first five weeks of rehab of discovering concepts of the inner child and the wounded child and the black sheep and all of these different um, modalities were presented to me. And I was just drinking it in like, yes, oh my God, I can, I could, I was just so up for, I was so enthusiastic in my therapy. I was like, yes, that's going on for me. And um, so what could I do to sustain this newfound awareness, which was not a language that my beautiful family did. They, they had no language around emotional well-being or emotional intelligence or spiritual guidance. And that wasn't something that they were interested in. So it was apparent to me, oh, I understand how I got out here, but how am I going to support myself to transform, which is what's required. And one of the nurses had said to me, about, um, well, you know, when I said, I believe that heroin is actually just a gateway to, to remembering our true bliss and that it's actually my, my spiritual self knocking on the door. And he passed me William White Cloud's flyer and said, this might interest you. And it's a funny thing because I had stayed clean for a period of time, leaving the, the rehab and going home. And I had this flyer with me just an eight month a transformational journey and I was really knowing in my heart of hearts that's for me and it did not have a small price tag on it let's say that much and I was like mm -hmm. you know, I'm a high school student I've just finished high school I'm a recovering heroin addict and that I don't have like ten thousand dollars sitting in my account what am I going to do and so I prayed about it I suppose now looking back on it it was a it was a form of prayer and I didn't have a religious con context it was just how I prayed to my higher self. And I reached um, the moment where it was like, I'm done with this. I'm going to use. And so I said, okay, how about, and I would start making these negotiations with myself. How about first we go to an NA meeting and then after the meeting, if you still want to use, I will let you. So this was how I would negotiate this little little, um, little stretches where I could go past the urge or the craving and see what miracle could land that could turn something around and so it was like you can still have it I'm not saying no but after we go to a meeting okay so I went to go to the meeting and it wasn't on but on the wall was the flyer for William's course and in that moment my cravings dropped because I knew that I had my answer so I went to William's um intro and of course then signed on and I uh, acquired the funds through um, family support 
and attended the eight-month training. And I came to William. Well, I'm actually doing this training because this is my halfway house. And he, as you said, had recovered from heroin himself. And he said, well, um, that this is the best halfway house you could have ever chosen because I'm here to let you know that you cannot cure heroin addiction. You can only upgrade your life and in your true nature and purpose, if you if you live on path with who you really are, most likely addiction won't be there. And so I really uh, resonated with, oh, I'm not trying to stop something. Because first of all, try and do anything, you know, try and stand up. It's futile. You can't try and stand, you can't stand, just stand up. <laughs> so just give up. So actually... And addiction is actually an energy package. And energy can't go anywhere. You can't give up energy. You, it, it can't go anywhere. It can just change. It can just transform. And so it made total sense to me to just um, neutralize the charge on the part of me that was trying to fix me. And relax into receiving guidance from my higher self in living my true nature and purpose now today. And, and I would get three steps, three actions to take, you know, go to this place, speak to this person, write down this, read this book. It was a step. It wasn't just a waffly thing. It was like, take action. So I would take that action. I was very dutiful and very dedicated and said, okay, dear guides. And I would do these practices that William had shared. And I would go to my my guides in my temple and receive my instructions and I would fulfill the instructions. And it truly worked without knowing how. And, and, and a magician is just um, a master who's following a seemingly invisible set of steps. And so magically, I transformed my life all of a sudden I'm living the dream, my dream life that I didn't even know was my dream life, but my heart revealed it to me. And that was on traveling, following my feet, following my heart, following music, following spirituality, following what deeply interested me, interest interested me, informed me. And I forgot that I had a drug addiction. I just forgot. <laughs> it wasn't there. Each day I woke up with the craving and I said, okay, I did my meditation. I followed my instructions. And by the afternoon, I forgot. And the day would come again. Oh, remember? Yeah. And I would, and then months went by, there was no need to even have the negotiation because the desire to be in love was strong. And, and, and it's a lot like the story that we're told, you know, the white wolf and the black wolf and which one will win the fight? Well, it's the one you feed. And so I learned instinctively on a very deep level on a life and death level, because heroin addiction becomes very quickly a life and death decision choice. And it became very evident to me quickly that what we put our focus on, we become. And so when I focus on what I love, I very quickly become love. <laughs> and in love, the, the 
codependence is is how to survive without love so just coming to love is already the cure to everything and i'm not talking about a waffly love i'm not talking about feel good i'm not even necessarily talking about what we like love is a quality to me it's a substance that is perfect it can be fierce it can be deeply uncomfortable but it is the source of who we are it's life itself and so it's it's like the it can be like a howling wind it can be like a warm hug it can be love can take on so many different forms when i say listening to my heart following my love what i'm talking about is something that can never be explained negotiated or rationalized it is and that's it <laughs> mm -hmm. yes i and totally I, agree and i think it's important to say to to mention that because love can easily be confused as a like or a dislike oh i love that but what you actually mean is i really like that because love is actually beyond even expression exactly and before you go much further i'll just say you know william is a great teacher at letting go of the need to know how which is yes. what we're all asking and where your attention goes your energy goes so as you correctly said it's all about having that focus and it's wonderful hearing your story because I hope there's many other people with various addictions because a lot of people, you know, lose one addiction and they replace it with another addiction. And yes. if you had to have an addiction to find that love, you know, I say to people, you go with your intuition and your gut feeling and you touch with the love inside you, you know, which is in us and all around us. So to have that divine bliss within you is just remarkable and what a wonderful addiction to have i'm not saying you're addicted to it but if one was to be addicted to anything to be addicted to this divine love you know the world would be a much happier peaceful place to live in well, so the way, what I said about upgrading, so an addiction, I would call like a shadow, um, a shadow uh, nature. And then if we bring that into perfection, then we see commitment. And this yeah. is, again, how I look at healing is we might bring something into the space. We call it, oh, here we go. Here's addiction. All right. We see something's wrong, let's say. And then when we choose to see perfection or see with our creator's eyes, oh, suddenly we see there's a whole ball, not just half a ball called addiction, but there's actually a whole ball. And so the, the addiction actually just becomes commitment. And then when that whole ball actually elevates, it becomes devotion. And so rather than making any part of us wrong, like, oh, you have, let's say you're a compulsive liar. And we bring that into the space and we see, oh, compulsive lying. But that's actually just half of a bigger picture. 
And our job yes. is to find out what's the fullness? What is lying? Why do I lie? What is the energy of that? Instead of trying to get rid of that and you can't make energy go anywhere. So if you have compulsive lying, lying to yourself and others going on in your life, and I know that this is really big for many people, how, your job is to then bring light to what is the fullness of lying? What does lying turn into? And it actually becomes alignment with our truth. So a lie is actually a way of trying to preserve status, pleasing others, but actually trying to stay true to ourselves. So we have a lie to protect our truth. So if we bring um, light and love into the, the program or the energetic package of compulsively lying, then what we start to see is I give myself permission to be aligned with my truth. Well, I've got goosebumps. That's a wonderful way of presenting it because we are the whole. There's no yeah. separation. And then the elevation of that is authorship to actually become an author of a topic. So we shift from lying into um, mastery, into being an author on the topic, to being um, a spokesperson for that. So it's a very um, protective energy that's just half understood. But if you try and get rid of it, you will never even get to the authorship because the the lie is just half of the authorship our or our, our our power to be safe in what we're here to speak That's and so beautiful. people who have been liars actually create a lot of safety in the world for everyone to have their truth and to That's be safe in our truth yeah yeah that's a wonderful way of putting it. And as William says, we're all born with 12 dysfunctional beliefs, which are lies that we make up from our conception to the age of four, you know, and it's all to do with our relationship with our mother, like with the indigenous tribes, for example, the Mayans. Yeah. Um, when you're born, if you're breastfed and, you know, loved and your mother's around, you learn about feeling the love and then from two till four traditionally your father would take you to the top of the mountain so you can see the way love's brought in and if mm. those needs are not met for whatever reason we make up lies and most of them uh i'm not good enough i'm not worthy i'm invisible i'm not capable i don't have the capacity and even if like in my case i used to come top of the class and you know, as I grew older, getting distinctions for everything, you still think you're not good enough and you have that need to be perfect. And most of us, you know, probably 90% of the people in the world are trying to resolve this tension and prove their lies wrong. Um, and, and, and the like more you and not living... wrong, yeah, the more we prove them wrong, the more we become them because we're exactly. focused on them. Rather yeah. than just going, well, what's the rest of the story? What's the full it, picture? Because it's only half the picture. Yeah. 
So Williams always said, and many of the people I've done brain entrainment courses with, is like, it's a myth to think that they're going to go away. You'll never get rid of them because they're part of you. But mm -hmm. when we're in tension, because we will slip back into our humanness, when someone presses our trigger, whether it's a person, event or situation, it's like, great. You know, I feel uptight. My ego's driving me like mad to look into it. But our ego's the vehicle of orientation. And we can go, this is a wonderful opportunity for me to master my spirituality. Okay, BS, I'm going to put you aside. You can jump on my back. You can come along for the ride, but I'm going to rise above and you can join me on this journey, but be the observer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 So that was an amazing training that I did with William. And what came out of it was um, a deeply embodied um, structure for living creatively and when we start to say living creatively we're creating creator god so we're really living our god life when we're being creative in whatever way that is creative accounting creative architecture it's just creative consciousness and and that's what i uh, awoke into uh, initiated into through william's eight month training and then went on to do two more studies with him of facilitation training. And so what came through first for me in living my true nature and purpose was it was all about a sexual exploration. And uh, it became very evident to me why I might have been trying to destroy myself because it was not a quiet exploration. It became very loud and it became uh erotic dance workshops for women that um, created like a sacred sexual awakening through mm -hmm. erotic dance. And so these were like, no, it was no small calling. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what was powerful about it for me was that it wasn't anything I knew, but it was actually within me. It was my wisdom. It was the wisdom of my body. It was the wisdom of my bones. It was the wisdom of my lifetimes. And it was actually what I came here to share. And very much about the process for me was, it's not about, uh, it, it, service is service. So um, it, when my guidance would tell me, you're going to teach this class on sacred sexuality and I would say uh but uh I don't know anything <laughs> about anything <laughs> I'm just actually trying to stay alive here I'm just coming out of rehab and I was shown oh you're going to speak to millions of people around the world and you're going to be teaching them about sexuality and da 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 da, da. and I was like uh, okay but I don't you know you know and then it was like and all that we require of you is to say yes and agree because actually this is coming through you. This is from your creator to you, through you and around you. And you don't need to know. And actually anything you would know would just get in the way because this is a direct channel of information. And so I would just say, yes. And, um, def and, and, and proceed to have, I felt like I was dying. Like not in a slow, steady way, just like, I'm sure I'm about to just self-combust here now, like to, to my, 
to my personality, to, to my known reality, I was like, I'm saying yes to what? And just the thought of walking into a room of women, like 10 women, five women, and to facilitate something about sexuality. I mean, just to say yes to that, it was just like, I was agreeing to my, to jumping off a cliff. I mean, it just, the terror that I felt and the, um, absolute just the sheer terror it was just like I'm gonna die and that became actually quite a, a, a marker for me quite a like a road sign of like oh yeah this is your next step because you feel like you know you're gonna die and it's, it's like the opposite of like using drugs that could kill you and there's a sort of apathy or numbness around that of like yeah who cares if I die but now all of a sudden that I'm gonna live my true life is like Oh my God, I'd almost rather die, but not. <laughs> I felt yeah, with certain death. And I would walk in the room and literally just be sitting there like, I know nothing. And I am terrified and breathe and get my first instruction and follow that and my next instruction and follow that. And then suddenly I'm at the end of the workshop and I spoke the entire workshop. And the look on everyone's faces was like, oh, wow. You know, like lights are on. Everyone's lights were on. And most of all, I was like, damn, that was like really, really good. Like I listened to every word. Like I'm at the front row, you know, front row set of stage, like all ears. Like I, I was like, that was amazing. And I realized that we really just came here to teach what we're here to learn. And so I wonderfully just educated myself over the last 25 years, traveling the world, sharing my facilitation, my the creating cocoons, chrysalises for us women to co-creating because we would create it together, these portals that we would all transform through each and every time. And so I, all of my retreats were transformational programs. And then what happened was that the, because it began as a program. And so I would take women through these programs, take us through these programs, because I was participating, like I'm in this too. Like I'm not sitting up here, like I know something and I'm teaching it to you. I'm in here getting it as we're all getting it. And so I'm in it with you. And there was something about that that many women would remark on. It was very new. Not many women had, like, mostly they'd been taught to. Very rarely had they been taught with. Um, and so that was a very powerful element to my work because it really brought in all of the principles that the feminine grows through sharing and that there's not a hierarchy in the feminine, but rather a frequency um and that when a woman has a particular frequency in her womb, if she's been initiated, activated, awoken, then all of the other wombs in the room will actually gravitate and vibrate at her frequency if she will hold it, if she will stay true to it. In other words, if she no longer needs to be liked, which I dealt with early on in my life, um, the, all my codependence, living for others, all of that. And you see, you start, I start to look back at it all and I'm like, wow, from the minute I was born till now, I've been perfectly trained. I'm a universe in training for what I'm here to be. 
So the step of like really getting what codependence and addiction and, and, and a substance addiction and all of that is so deeply, so young and resurrecting out of that into, I now live for me. Now I can serve my work because you're not necessarily going to be liked if you're walking in the room saying, Hey, I'm here to help you step through your darkest shadow, you know, your darkest night of your soul to remember who you really are and awaken that the personality or the survival pattern is going to receive that as a, as a potential threat to I'm going to die now experience. Yeah. Like I, as I was saying, like before I do my, I'm going to die. So I'm walking in the room going, Hey, I'm going to walk you all to the edge of where you're going to feel like you're going to die. Some people be my like, hell no, you're not doing that with me, even though I signed up for it, you know? (laughs) So it's very useful to have, um, I'll say like, nullified the receptor in me that is so concerned about being liked by others but actually know that I'm here to be an ally and deeply loved for what I bring and what I do and what I um, how I empower others but for going a little bit of liking on the way (laughs) and again (laughs) love and like concept and so yeah so I was just going to briefly say thank you for sharing that because a lot of people live in fear because for years I taught public speaking and networking, connecting. And like Seinfeld says, most people would rather be dead than to step up on a stage and speak. You know, some people and terror comes in many ways with public speaking. So it could be on a stage. It could be talking at a friend's birthday or wedding. It could be Mm -hmm. talking in the boardroom. You might be greater talking in the boardroom to your staff members, but you freak out talking to your parent or your spouse or your child. So there's Mm -hmm. many reasons we feel that terror. And Mm -hmm. I think for you at a young age, that was remarkable. And also, I was at one of your ceremonies and I just felt so much love brimming Mm. in my heart and joy, just witnessing being part of the whole transformation. And I, even though I was a guest to see the ceremony and with your students, I was one of those students. It was like you incorporated everything. It just flowed through you. And at such a young age, to trust that the divine is going to lead you in what you say, do and think and be guided. That process was incredible. And I just take my hat off to you to be so young and just allow that experience to evolve. And yeah, as I said earlier, you know, you've evolved into this incredible, incredible facilitator for women empowerment. Yes. And it started off as literally that dancing the divine and people came up to me, Oh, you're a dance teacher. I was like, no, but you said dancing the divine as yes. And it's exactly the dance of life and allowing, letting, agreeing with, consciously participating in our divinity, moving us through us in life, how we are moved to speak, how we are moved in our body and especially how we're moved in our intimacy. And so teaching that sexuality and spirituality, they're one and the same. And our life force is our sexuality and sex is how we were created. If there were <laughs> two people needed to come together for me to be here to talk to you and anywhere that I might have 
a socialization around sex, however I'm viewing it, um, an identity around sex is in opposition to my true sexual spiritual life force. And so Tantra literally just means to unite the dark and the light. And so in the same way, sexuality or spirituality or our heavenly self, our godly self, our creator self, and our human self, our ego, our limitations, our identity. And so very quickly learning that sex itself has nothing to do with our identity. Our identity is who we think we are. And who we think we are is just that. It's not who we are. It's just actually it's where we are, but it's not actually who we really are. Because who we really are is I am that I am. Exactly. And so is literally I am that I am moving me here in this moment. And I am that I am is unified consciousness. So there is no audience. And I'm of service to I am that I am in me, in you. So whatever is coming through me, it's coming through us. And in this situation, we're just in the the yin and yang of I'm dancing, you're watching, but who's watching, who's dancing? And this is what lovemaking really is. So during the course, without focusing on sex or lovemaking specifically, although sometimes I do go into those conversations because women ask about it. And a lot of what I'm drawing from are my years of um, apprenticing and mentoring with Shentem Nityama, which if we get time, we can dive into that as well today. Um, but more so what my uh, teaching and what I serve, what I create, what it's about, whether it's dancing the divine or a tantric life or wild lotus, because they're just the different names as it's evolved over 25 years. Um, but all of the work that I do is essentially, it's a transformational structure. So a woman can come at any age from any walk of life for any reason, you know, she can be called for many reasons. It might be a sexual exploration, but essentially it's to empower herself in whatever way, shape or form her life is requiring empowerment in this moment. And the structure or the, the portal or the process that the person will go through will transform them into a higher state. It, it's a transmutation where you take one state of being and you clarify. And what happens is the gold, the dross rises to the surface and we scrape it off and what's left is the gold. And, and that's just to describe the spiritual process that will happen to anyone and everyone that comes through working with me and it, whatever it is. And that's what I love about, and that's why it became a tantric life because, you know, a tantric life, a beautiful life, um, a spiritual life, it's just all, it's about living in alignment with who we really are. It's about awakening to and remembering the choice and the life that you chose before you came to heaven. And then we can just look at everything that's happened in our life as a perfect catalyst to awaken that and teach us and train us to be really good at that that's beautiful because I love the way that you said earlier which I totally agree with that you chose your parents and it's um I I often say to people yes we choose our parents and we come through them not for them we're all here for our own journey and I know you just had a miracle happen 
at age of 44, you mentioned um, that you just had a baby, beautiful yes. Matteo. And yes. would you like to share your experience, how this came about? Because you were going through a near-death experience then also before yes, his so conception. Yeah, so I, as my, my journey, just as I said, each workshop I would do would be so transformative. So I was just on this magical mystery tour called my life since I came through rehab and it's just been like yeah a continuous magical mystery tour and there's so many twists and turns and that's that journey on my road um we, mm, this, <laughs> where to dive in to tell the story but actually early on so coming out of Williams trainings and birthing my work I very quickly came to a realization that quite shocked me. I was driving along. I was under 28 years old and I was driving along and I had to stop the car. It was like epiphany. I was dizzy. I was giddy. And the wow. words came through me. I don't have to have a baby. And I suddenly realized that there was a wave of a socialized choice or a wave of pressure of like, you just will. You're a woman, you'll have a baby. You'll, you're a woman, you'll go to school. Da -da, like it's just this mapped out life for you, you know, and you will get an education and you'll get a degree and then you will get a job and you'll get a career and then you'll get married and you'll have a baby and you'll pay a mortgage and, and there's the story and it's already written for you. And in this moment, you know, because there's, I, I, I see octaves, so layers and layers. It's like the first octave, and then the next, and the next, and and these octaves are all the same. It's like an onion, you know, we're peeling the onion. It's the same onion, but we've got layers and layers. And so this was a la the next layer of awakening to like, I don't have to live that narrative. Oh my god, I can live any narrative I choose. I mean. It just came up and I was like, see you later. No marriage for me, no mortgage for me, no baby for me. I am writing my story and my story involves temples and dakinis and sacred sexual rituals and higher states of consciousness and bliss and, you know, just the devotion to the super, our supernatural capacity, our godly capacity to truly live heaven on earth, to truly live immortal life, to truly live um, empowered sovereign lives of, of, of living in the garden of Eden, the promise in our hearts as we know life can be wholesome and nourishing good. And I just saw my role in this, I almost saw myself like a nun um, other than, a, you know, very different to, let's say, a Catholic nun, more like a tantric nun where I'm married to God and and I'm here to bring heaven to earth through my portal, through my womb, in whatever way that's expressing moment to moment and to be really, you know, masterful of that, to to really an artist of that. And I just was so filled with, the joy of creation that I didn't have to, that I could do what I choose, what's in my heart. And so it was and was and was and is, and exactly as I described in so many profound and magical and phenomenal ways of creation and 
uh, serving and travel and teaching and brought us to a point in our life we we engaged a study of ifa and ifa literally is it's a west african religion or spiritual system that i discovered it's like my religion and it's actually the oldest religion that's any record of on the planet predates judaism christianity everything in its artifacts in its records and in this spiritual system i would say if we're looking at the power of words religion means to go backwards to spiritual means to spiral up to to breathe and so ifa translated it's a yoruba language that translates to the sacred study of ourself or the sacred study of nature or the sacred study of our true nature. So the translations are a little, uh, but you get the gist. And I took on this study because there were certain things that were happening in my teaching life and in my personal life that started to elevate. And I recognized a requirement for getting more spiritual support with the types of challenges that I was now facing. And so I went to Ifa for a reading, for a divination reading. And I received such profound, accurate information um, about my life and about choices I was making and assistance in making choices and the insights as to why those choices were relevant to me. And so we studied, so we took on IFA study, we initiated into IFA, which is just to simply formally um, marry my spiritual life. So like that concept of none it was like for it was now sanctified i'm married to my creator i'm married to my spirituality i'm married to my destiny and i serve my higher destiny and with these tool sets so ifa gives us these beautiful tool sets and and ia is the name i received in the next level of initiations and ia means divine mother or female priest and so it's really just a woman who is here to empower others and um, while it doesn't mean anything, really, it also means everything. And so the first initiation is just a hand of Aoife where you become a student. And then in the student initiation, we receive the guidance that because of the work I do and also my partner and um, due to the type of energies around us and um, the service that we provide, receiving the priest initiations is a highly recommended. So we went on to do that three years later. That was about 2018, around the end of 2018. And when you go into Ifa, they say like, okay, you've done a lot of spiritual work in your life and you've had like near-death experiences and big crisis and big awakenings and initiations, yes. And get ready because your first year in Ifa is going to be like on one level, like a midlife crisis. On another level, you're just elevating. So a lot of things will leave your life. A lot of things will come in. And we were like, ho, ho, hum, yes, we've done a lot of intense things and this doesn't seem very intense. So we thought our life was going that way. Four weeks later, we were on tour in Europe for five years. <laughs> it was like, Ethan took over like in a heartbeat and things like flew to us that we were like, oh my God, there's a full group and I'm going to London and then Europe and, then, and, then. and things that were in our life just left. So it was very immediate. And in the second initiations, they said, oh, good, get ready for the next three years. <laughs> 
crisis. So we were mm-hmm. like, okay, well, the first crisis was pretty good. So we'll get ready for this one. About six weeks later, my teacher began to instant. He woke up one morning dying in the bed. Wow. And we had a three-week retreat that was starting a week later. And we had just received our priest initiations into Ifa. This was our first level of training because he would only receive any, uh, he would only act upon the guidance that we would receive in our divinations as Babalao and Ifa to assist him on what he so essentially our, our training his life and our train we, we were given the greatest task of resurrecting our teacher's life with our newly found ifa tools and fortunately one morning it said go to the hospital and on that day he got the assistance he needed um if we, it, was, it was dehydration in fact so he with with the support that he received immediately um, saved his life and he went also through his own life transformation from that day on and so that was about 17 years we had been working together and that incident then just has us both now um, in a different working re- in a different relationship with each other um, but up until that point we were working closely together and uh, it's where um, a lot of the deeper uh, information and um, exposure to the truth of sex uh, in the body, the truth of sexual relating and the role that it plays spiritually for the woman and for the man and the energetics of lovemaking and the energetics of creation through sex magic. Uh, all of these deeper initiations were sh- imparted to me from Nityama through these um, over these years of assisting and supporting him um, with administration, with his workshops, and working with the women that were seeing him, also attending my workshops as a support to integrate the what they were experiencing with with his work. And so this was a profound blessing, a profound. Um, education a profound training in very deep spiritual discipline but when this three years came (laughs) after our first after our priest initiation he as I said began to die and then we came home to Australia once he was fine and uh, I had picked up a typhoid my immune system after 20 years of traveling had become very depleted and compromised. And I picked up a deadly typhoid um, and then a whole other host of bacterias and viruses, you name it. It was like, there was a party going on <laughs> and, uh, for three years. I began to dis- dis- disappear. <laughs> they were eating my flesh. They were eating me. I was literally um, in the house. So it was for about a year and then different things happened. I got shingled then in my right eye. And so when all of this started, I, 2019, um, August, 2019, I was essentially a walking stick. And at that point I was a bit concerned like for a cure. And I'd heard a lot about conscious language through Nityama and the importance of the power of our words. And so I did a little Googling sort of in my deathbed, finding um, 
Bob and listening to some of his recordings about sacred body language translations. And everything that I'd ever known and discovered myself, he was speaking about and so much more. And I was just like lit up. And so I was listening to sacred body language translations as I was laying there like, uh, um, and uh, starting to apply. The first one that really got me was a blessing that is bestowed that is not received is a burden. And the burdens manifest on our shoulders. And so I have these very distinct scars all on my shoulders. And I had felt very burdened, very burdened by supporting Nidhiyama, very burdened by my spiritual duty. So what had become this like magical tour had become a burden. And then as he said, a burden, a blessing that's bestowed that's not received is a burden. So I started going, oh, what are all the blessings in my life that I'm not receiving? Because I feel so heavily burdened. And then the next morning, an email came in. He was giving 15-minute consultations. So I was like, I, I, I didn't even think. I booked in. I got in. And in the first minute, he was able to show me the language patterns that contained a death wish code that I had been using. Wow, that's amazing. And I was like, I wanted to say, I don't have a debt. Wait a second. I can see the person that's talking in the video here is a person that's not living. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Because I had become a little bit of a know-it-all after 20 years of doing my thing. And like you say, so young and so wise and, you know, so somewhere that had also become my identity. So I had reached a point where I had grown, but reached my own ceiling. And so my wisdom was, you know, my blessings had become my burden. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, I'm listening up. New teacher in the scene. I'm in 15 minutes through his questioning and my answering, I felt the first moment of ease that I had felt since I had, since all of these health things had started to happen. And then with my divination tool that we practice every morning with Ifa, the next morning it said, oh, you've had an amazing um, blessing but it will only last if you study everything. And then, of course, the next email comes in with the study package. A nice big investment again. Yes. <laughs> I did not want to do it. The little me was like, no way. <laughs> I don't even have that money. And the great self that is disciplined and dedicated and has a set of tools that says, I am devoted to my guidance of my ifa. I surrendered and invested. It just so happened to be that the whole package I invested in arrived the day I was going overseas. But from the moment I did that training, miracles landed. A student contacted me and said, can we put a group together for you in Italy? My husband was in Italy looking after his mother. I had this thing of like, if I just leave this house where I've been sick and dying for eight months and just go to Italy, I might just suddenly start eating and totally magically get better. And so I said to the student, I cannot organize a thing. Like, 
I mean, like I can't function, but if you can put a group together, I'll be there. Three days later, she's like, I've got a group. I've got a venue. You just get yourself here. I got myself to Italy. I started eating. I radically magic, magically recovered. But the day I was leaving, the whole package I invested in arrived. So I put it on the shelf and off I go. And it just so happened to be that the day I get back, we go into lockdown. So we're at 2020 now. And I'm recovering. I'm getting stronger in my health, all of these things. And the planet goes into this. So this is about the second year of my crisis from the initiation. And they say, uh, uh, the so the Mastery Systems puts out this um, another course, and it's a mentoring course that mentors a person through, happens to be the package I had invested it in eight months earlier that I had just put in a cupboard. And I was like, how am I ever going to do that study? Because I just like, I'm so lazy to do study, you know, so, and then this course appears. So I'm like, perfect. I can do this mentoring that'll assist me to commit to doing the study because it's all a home study pack. So that I sign up for the course and the course, the day it starts, I get shingles in my right eyeball. Wow. I'm like, wow, I'm really going to get this one because I'm going to transform the way I see everything. Exactly. So for four months, I was in an extreme shingles recovery, pretty much in a back into my house, back into the cocoon, back into the dark room. And studying with um, Bob now as a men as my mentor while studying through this material. Now, when we received our hand of our Ifa initiation, a priest one, not our hand one, but our second one, our priest one, the guidance that came through to me and my husband during that initiation was you two, Ifa is telling you two, it's time for you to have a baby. And we got together because we had both agreed we didn't want children in this life and that that wasn't our story. So there we are going. Oh, okay. Yep. Sure. Yep. Baby. Yep. And Aoife said, prepare yourself. So when I look back over the three years that happened after the initiation, I literally went through a physical strip back to the bone, released ancestral programs and patterns that could not be carried forward with me as E and Aoife. Wow. And then discovered my next upgrade of teaching, which was William's work is amazing, powerful, beautiful, clean, the creative orientation. But the piece that was always missing for me was the word, the language. And this is what Bob, he's in his late 70s, devoted his entire adult life, 50 years of service in forming a systematic approach to awakening the language of our heart, which is our God conscious language. And he's done it through just a, a system that reveals our programmed or what he calls babble language or a babble virus <laughs> that is speaking in duality, right, wrong, good, bad, you, me, hot, cold, they did it to me, the powers outside, codependence. And to resurrect, to to wake up in, uh, he downloaded, I think, about 12 domains 
of consciousness that certain words that we use have an outcome. And those outcomes, there are 12 domains of outcome. So let's say, for example, want. If I use the word want, want implies that I don't have it. So I'm in a co lack conscious. If I'm wanting, wanting, I want this. Do you want that? Do you want to come here? Do, every time I'm using want, I am a, I'm rooted in unconscious belief. And you were saying about William and the 12 beliefs that we have. So yeah. these are other than conscious. We're not necessarily walking around going, I believe in lack. But if I'm using the words want, it's stemming from the root of believing in lack. So like a divination, if I can listen consciously and not criticize, but actually listen and hear, then I can hear when I use the word want that I'm actually believing in lack. And that through his system, he shows a quantum thriving technique of how to take the language that we're using and transform it into the language that's already in us from our creator, the language of our heart. So through this process of, of language, I came to, as I said, discover the language I was using that was actually putting stress signals into my body. And the language codes I was using was, I, I, I have to, and it's hard. I have to, and I can't. I have to, and I can't. And I discovered that I was saying that multiple times a day about things that I really love. And wow. so the, the burdens that weren't received, the blessings that weren't received were becoming burdens. And I had a stress relationship to my love. So this was a really, really beautiful and powerful tool set to wake up to, to take myself to the next octave of creative orientation is my word made flesh, or in my case, my word made <laughs> no flesh. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm refreshing my life. I'm re-manifesting my life. So what happened in those trainings was I also shared with Bob, okay, I'm doing this um, mentoring with you. And actually after 25 years and having touched so many women's life, my next octave of service is to actually create a facilitator training where women all over the world could hold Wild Lotus uh, sessions, which is like a condensed um a yogic practice out of the programs that I've been creating. So it's a transformational yoga session that happens over a one and a half to three hour time frame period. And that's what I'm predominantly doing now is the wild lotus practice, which is as I say, like a consolidation of all the programs that I was teaching previously. So in in this um wild lotus practice, having women all around the world holding groups and in, in, in places where women can come and literally transform themselves on a weekly basis so that they're staying aligned with their spiritual energy as it's progressing through their life. So they're kind of just coming in and getting what they need and then going on and, and it's it just a place to really replenish the woman and to really empower our feminine and to really stay vibrating in our sexual, spiritual energy and to cleanse off anywhere that we may be picking up societal programs or sliding into pleasing others or whatever those habits may be from the past and muscle memory that we can ah uh, consciously participate in staying tracking with 
the upgrading, the, the way that our spiritual energy is expanding and opening, staying in alignment with that. So that, that's essentially what the Wild Lotus practice is, is. And so waking up to language, my word made flesh, was just, it's just such a wonderful um, next phase on in living the creative orientation and in, in increasing the, the tool set. So I shared with Bob, oh, these are my outcomes. I, my outcome is to have a facilitator training, da, 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 da. And somewhere down the bottom, I had like, you know, have our baby, da, da, da. Because, you know, Aoife had told me, get ready for have a baby and prepare and, and whatever. And, you know, I was, of course, with shingles going, well, thanks God I don't have a baby because being a mother with shingles, uh, no. There are so many incidences in my life, so many, so much commitment to my work, so many travel, so many incidences where there's no way I could have done that and also being a mother to to a baby, to a child, to a human in the way that I'm guided to be a mother really present and be really be you know why have a baby and let someone give it to someone else if you're gonna have a baby you're there to raise the baby and so I was like thanks god and then of course Bob comes back to me and there's only one thing that he responds to (laughs) having a baby great and I was like "Oh, oh oh because it had been such a deep relinquish of the program it was such a big turnaround to say well what is it now to truly be blessed by a baby how could that even be a blessing I was like that's just work (laughs) (laughs) well no and I am so glad I waited I am so glad of the divine timing 44 which I am also told numbers about 44 oh it's your true life work and everything so everything I just did for now is just to get ready to be a great mom (laughs) (laughs) it's <laughs> just so perfect you know the full circle of like I don't have to be a mom so I could truly be the great divine mother that I can that our the promise of our lineage and that being a mother can be a truly satisfying and fulfilling and joyful and celebratory experience I know that there's a vast diverse set of experiences that mothers can have and that um, I know that my mother had with me was far from what anything I would ever want to um, replicate and all forgiveness on both of us. It was not easy for her. Let's just say that much. And so to be now mom <laughs> at <laughs> my young age of 45 is so much joy it's profound. I mean, I'm just going to cry. It's so beautiful. It's so blessed. I am so blessed. We are so blessed. We have the most beautiful baby. And I truly believe it's due to the sacrifice I made in, in, in this, and by sacrifice, I mean all of the dedication and to my true service, to my true nature and sacrificing addiction and sacrificing little self and sacrificing the me, me, me and the, I want what I want and the like and the dislike to truly serve love. Then I discovered love truly serves me. Wow. That's a great revelation. And just for the listeners, I want to say Bob is, um, his name is Robert Tennyson Stevens and he's the founder of Meta Body Electronics and um, I know you hold him in high esteem. And it's great for all the listeners as well, because 
our parents are such big influences on our lives and so many of us have chosen a career pathway to please our parents and we are people pleasers and the big message you've given to everyone today is about pleasing yourself and listening within and listening to yourself talk and I totally agree for years I've been saying to people watch the words you're saying because want means you're going to end up with experience of want you know I want I want I want yeah okay well we're, the universe is like okay I'll give you the experience of wanting and as you yeah. say that's about lack but I'm aware of the time the precious time um, I'm glad you, are. <laughs> you did ask. <laughs> I was like, oh dear, how am I going to answer this question? Because this one needs a bit of uh, context. As yeah, that's all right. Yeah. For the listeners, we were just going to have a 30 minute chat today, but um, uh-huh. we're right. not in a linear space. So <laughs> we're just um, um, going with the flow. However, I know um, the power of your work and I know you've got some incredible workshops coming up. So would you like to explain about your upcoming workshops? Yeah, just briefly, because they can go to my website and read anything they want. So um, this is our first course that I've offered since becoming mom. So Mateo is now 11 months and we have a lot of support around us. So I'm really supported to share this work. It's with women. It's on Zoom. So you can do it anywhere in the world. And the time zones are UK and USA Europe friendly. Uh, They're very early in Australia, but they're still friendly. So you can join us in a global gathering of sisters. It's for new and experienced women. And I'm rebuilding the foundations. So there's going to be three series starting and they're going to be consecutive. So series one is Wild Lotus and the language of mastery. So I've talked about Wild Lotus. It's essentially the consolidation of all my courses into a tantric yoga practice. It's very um, inner orientated. It's, uh, there's nothing like it. And it's nothing like it. So just come come for the free (laughs) session, which is uh, tomorrow. 6 a.m. Wednesday in Australia, 9 p.m. UK, or you can work out your time zone. And I'll I'll give you all the links that you can share them below from the talk. And will but you be recording that intro? No, all of my classes, okay. you must. Yes, for those who are attending. Um, no, I don't give out recordings. And the reason being okay. is that because of the intimate nature of the work and because I'm taking us places that is, it's so new. And our tendency is to want to try and reference to something we think we already know. And that is our um, personality or small self way of protecting ourselves from new information. And so this is a really transformational process and you're required to be with me to do it. Mm -hmm. So It's not something that you could sit back and kind of watch, um, but it's just something you have to participate in and, um, and it's a feedback thing. So it's not something I'm just doing to you, but actually something we're in together. So very much like what you said, um, it, when you were at the, um, when you were in the audience of the divine offering 20 years ago, you felt that you were, it was being, it was happening in you at the same time. And so that's my, my classes are a transmission and they're very much a transmission into our feeling world and into our feeling bodies and then guided through there. So 
each and every class there's no two classes the same they're very unique and they're based on who's there in the space based on a variety of different factors astrological factors where we are and it, there's just so many factors that uh, inform the way that the class happens so the wild lotus session is an experiential session much like yoga but it's very uh, much like a yin yoga that's very relaxing, very internal, but also can be very confronting because you're moving through a, a terrain inside of yourself that is somewhere you may have been avoiding or may have um, maybe touching on uh, patterns or programs that have a lot of energy in them. So there's a lot of support around transforming those patterns. But then it may be that it's, let's just say that for a transformation to take place involves loving the unlovable, forgiving the unforgivable, and feeling the things we're avoiding. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and there, therein lies the importance of creating a lot of safety and therefore being live in the class together. No one's just watching this. And so everyone who participates also knows that there's a tremendous level of safety and sacredness and privacy held for everyone in that space myself included um I, I believe like the the feminine essence is very much like an incense it's not like up in your face it's not already polished and perfect it sort of wafts and hints itself through the room and so I teach very much from my feminine and I allow it to arise and be shared as also who's in the room with me their energy is rising and sharing and so it's a co-created class that I guide that that there we go I got there <laughs> and then the second part of the course is language of mastery so uh, it's two sessions a week for six weeks one is an experiential and then the other is where I'm teaching the language domains so that we can become aware of what our words are doing and also find the remedies and the upgrade reversals so that how we speak to ourselves produces the outcomes that we truly desire in our life. Oh wow, that that is amazing! I got goosebumps, so I should say truth bumps. Yeah. Um, it's just fantastic. Yeah. So, so okay. the, the the Wild Lotus and Language of Mastery is the series one. Series two is then Wild Lotus and Sacred Body Language. So it's understanding the language of our body and how to work with what our body is telling us. And then the third part is how to put it all together in the quantum thriving technique. So wild Lotus and language of mastery, wild Lotus and sacred body language and wild Lotus and quantum thriving technique. And through those three series, the person is fully um, acquainted with a tool set. They, they can manifest and transform every and anything in their life from life death health signals to in for, to fertility and motherhood to career um because i've walked all of those paths and i don't need to know your particular one because the transformational structure will hold you it's it, it my work sends everybody back to their own creator wow and for the listeners, I'd like to say I've met Matteo and he is a gift from God, a beautiful bundle of joy. And it's wonderful, as is Sandro and yourself. So 
sign up for the free intro and um, look at it. And if people miss tomorrow, will you be doing another intro? I have no plans to do another intro tomorrow, but they could reach out and have a free, like a, a 15 minute chat with me just to talk through their things and just to get anything answered that, yeah, we can connect. Great. So thank you so and I'm much. I'm hiring right now. If anybody is listening to what I'm saying and they feel that they would like to apprentice with me, I have a administration role available in an apprenticeship exchange so I'm hiring right now. Reach out. I'm going to send all the links to you that people can reach me through. Thank you very much. And I'll definitely put them with the show notes. So thank you so much, dear Aya, for thank giving you. up your precious time. Thank oh, you. thank you so much. It's mostly Mateo. He's like outside. I can see him here and he's playing. And I know that, yeah, it's time up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think you picked me to be your mommy and your mommy likes to do, loves to do her work. And so it feeds you too. And uh, he said, yeah, fine. Just bring me lots of playmates. So I have him some good <laughs> playmates and we're all good. Great. Thank you so much. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon.